Hey, beloved, welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean. It's good to see you. Thank you for tuning in. We have an amazing show for you tonight. My dear brother, Greg Mathis Jr. is here. <laughs> We're going to talk about his journey. Of course, his famous dad. Everybody knows his dad, Judge Greg Mathis. We're going to have a conversation about him and, and, and more so what it's like, right? What is it like to be the son, to be the child of someone so famous, so prominent? Because we think we know and we think we want something. But I brought somebody here tonight who's going to remind you that everybody has to deal with everything everybody else has to deal with. Just because you're famous or just because you're the child of somebody famous doesn't mean you don't have to deal with life, right? Life happens to us all, people. Say amen. <laughs> We're going to talk to Craig Mathis Jr. We're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean a little later. Listen, and we're going to do some headlines. And I got some headlines for you tonight. Play the bumper highly. So let's talk about President Joe Biden. We found out late last week that Joe Biden is going to pardon all federal offenses pertaining to simple marijuana possession. And all the marijuana smokers all applauded and stood up and clapped together. <laughs> Listen. That means that everybody who was convicted of possessing marijuana will either be released and or pardoned. And I think that's an absolutely amazing thing, don't you? Yes, you do. I mean, nobody, nobody should be in jail because they possessed or smoked marijuana. Joe Biden went on. He, he, this, listen to what he said. He said no one should be in jail for using or possessing, possessing rather marijuana. It's legal in many states. And criminal records for marijuana possession have left needless barriers to employment, housing, and education opportunities. Okay? I know some of y'all don't like Joe Biden, but he's making himself hard not to like. <laughs> I know some of y'all got a problem with Biden, but I'm just saying, Joe Biden is kicking butt and taking names in the last, in the last couple of weeks, right? I mean, Joe Biden is doing a lot of big things. You, you've heard me talk about the five major pieces of legislation that he's gotten off his desk, that few American presidents ever get more than one or two, and now he's done this. And I'm just saying, if you are a weed smoker, if you like marijuana, which I'm totally fine with, by the way, you need to be celebrating this. Because I still don't understand how people could ever be... How, how is it possible that people are in jail for something that's legal now? This is the, one of the most common sense things any politician can possibly do. And I'm glad Joe Biden has done it. And somebody needs to explain to me, how was it the case for all these years that alcohol was legal, but marijuana wasn't? Please explain that to me. Because alcohol does a lot more damage to the body, to the mind, and has caused more problems, more drunk driving, accidents, and murders than marijuana will ever and has ever done. So somebody explain to me, See, my man Greg is with me. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. I love you already. <laughs> I'm just saying, explain it to me, okay? But, but, but here's, here's the thing. Black and white people, black, brown, and white people all smoke marijuana at equal rates. The only difference is black and brown people go to jail at a higher rate than white people do for possessing and smoking marijuana. See, it's not a problem if all of us are smoking it. But it is a problem if some of us are going to jail for it and other of us, others of us are not going to jail for the exact same thing that I'm doing. That's when it becomes a problem. And that's when it becomes about race. And I know you say, Dr. Shaw, don't make everything about race. First of all, shut up. 
<laughs> and second of all, how do you explain it? If all the communities are smoking it at the same rates, but only black and brown people are going to jail for it? Listen, shout out to President Joe Biden, okay? Shout out to him. Now, a lot of y'all, maybe y'all didn't want to vote for him. You don't want him to run. But I'm just saying, Joe Biden is doing some big things. And somebody, when somebody's doing big things, you got to at least acknowledge the fact that they're doing big things. Here's what I know for sure. You can't undo the past because the past is the past. But what you can do is be better going forward. And that's what Joe Biden is signaling here, that you can't go back, but you can be better. So how about we all take that advice and go forward doing and thinking in better ways? Let's talk about this very interesting story that I saw that I thought was absolutely insane. And it's going to it's going to rile you up. So listen to this. Phil Faxon was heading home after his daughter's ninth uh, nine year old birthday celebration in North Carolina when his GPS directed him to go over a bridge. The problem is and was the bridge no longer existed. The bridge that his GPS told him to cross was washed away in 2013. So unbeknownst to Phil, he was heading down a road to cross a bridge that would ultimately cost him his life. Following the GPS, he went off the side of the bridge and ultimately lost his life and died. And while this story is extremely tragic and, 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 and ironic, because most of us, myself included, we follow our GPS without even thinking about it, right? We go exactly where the GPS tells us to go, and that's what we do. And while this story could easily be about be careful, monitor what the GPS is saying, the other side of the story happens to be not, to, not about you know, technology, but about negligence. Because what you should know is, according to Phil's mother-in-law, the bridge had never been repaired, and more so, the state never put up any barriers or warning signs letting people know that the bridge was washed out. So this isn't just about the problems with technology and that you shouldn't just listen to your phone at all costs, although that's probably a good idea, too. It's also about the state of North Carolina. The state of North Carolina needs to be held accountable because it, this isn't about how GPS killed somebody. This is about a state not putting up the proper signs and barriers to make sure that nobody ran off the side of the bridge and, and died. How could the state of North Carolina know that a bridge is, is in disrepair and not be vigilant about letting people know about it? Now, apparently the Highway Patrol in North Carolina said that, said that they did put up signs, but apparently somebody, somebody took the signs down. Okay, North Carolina, this is why I'm here. I'm about to help you. How about you put up some more signs? In fact, how about you put up some signs that people can't take down? <laughs> you know, you know those big barriers they put up, those big orange things, right? You know, you know the, the and then the big water jugs. How about y'all put that up? I mean, I, to put up a sign that somebody could remove over a bridge that's been washed out, North Carolina. I don't visit you much, but y'all can do better than this. <laughs> Y'all can do better than this. Put up some better signs, people. I'm just saying. So a man has lost his life. And since a man has lost his life, I'm encouraging the state to step up and do what it should have did before this man had to lose his life. So, um, you know, 
let's move on. Because <laughs> I, re- I could really go off on that. But I want Greg to think I'm saved. I want, I want, I want Greg to think I know Jesus. So I'm going to not cuss. Let's talk about Tom Brady, people, okay? You guys know I don't do a lot of celebrity news. Um, but let's talk about Tom Brady. Trust me, this won't be your typical talk about Tom Brady. But let's talk about Tom Brady. Apparently, Tom Brady and his wife, Giselle, are getting a divorce. That's what's been reported, you know, in the, you know, salacious blog things. It appears that after much speculation about the state of their marriage, it's becoming clearer and clearer that their union is in trouble. And that Tom Brady's decision to come back and play football this year uh, has played a significant part in the destruction of their marital bliss. You remember a year ago, Giselle was at every one of Tom Brady's football games cheering with the family and the kids. But this year, she's been at none of the games. And remember two years ago, didn't, didn't they win the Super Bowl two years ago? Did I get that right? Anyway, I think they won the Super Bowl two years ago. Oh, they were just very happy, very celebratory. But this year, Giselle's having no parts and nothing to do with football. And um, let me just say this very clearly. You guys know I, I always wish people well. I never celebrate the downfall of people because there but for the grace of God go I. I'm, I'm too dependent on goodness and grace and mercy to be sitting in this chair talking about other people's lives negatively. And so, first of all, I wish Giselle and Tom, though I don't know either of them, never met them, I wish them love and happiness and joy. And I wish them that together or I wish them that separately. Because just to be clear, you don't have to be with somebody to have love, joy and happiness. And you know I'm right. (laughs) But having said that, I wanted to bring you this story, not just so I could talk about Tom Brady, but so that you you and I can have a quick conversation about how fast things can change. You see, your life will change on you quicker than a New York minute. I just told you last year they were cheering at the games together and walking on the field and kissing on the lips. And then a year later, they probably going to get a divorce. That's how fast life can change on you. That's how fast your whole situation can be different. You can, you, can, you, can, you can love each other one year and want to be away from each other the next year. Don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever forget that the good times will not, may not be the good times a year from now. And that's why if you're having good times, you better enjoy every single moment of it. Be present in it. Don't let fear or anxiety rob you of the experience of enjoying what's good about your life. Because a year from now, everything can be different. But here's the other reason I wanted to bring you this story, because a lot of you think you want to be Tom Brady and you wish you had his life and you wish you had his fame and his money. But let me just explain something to you real fast. Tom Brady has won Super Bowl games. He's a multi, multi-millionaire. He is famous out the wazoo, but there is still an area of his life that's completely out of control. Don't think because somebody's famous that they're not human. Don't think because somebody has a lot of money that they don't have a lot of problems. See, issues and money often go together. (laughs) Sometimes the more money you have, the more issues you're going to end up with. And in this particular case, beloved, what I want you to understand is that everybody has to deal with something. Everybody's dealing with something. I don't care who they are, Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, Greg Mathis, Greg Mathis Jr., Sean McMillan, Tom Brady, Giselle Brady, go to whoever it is. LeBron James. I can just call out names indefatigably forever. Everybody. Everybody suffers, beloved. Everybody suffers. So don't sit around wishing and thinking you could be somebody else. Everybody suffers and your bank account has nothing to do with it. 
See, stop thinking that other people have it better because they don't have it better. What they have is what they have. Rather, they just have it differently. They just have different. They have a different set of issues and problems than the one that you have. But everybody's dealing with something. And when it's all said and done, I only want to talk about Tom so I can remind you to love the life that you are living. Love your life, beloved. Love it. Don't just like it. Don't just bear it. Love it. And stop wishing you could be somebody else. Let's move on. My last one before I talk to Greg. I like Greg already. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Let's talk about Kanye West. Okay. You knew this was coming. You knew this was coming. So let's just do let's just do it. Kanye West is facing backlash for wearing a White Lives Matter T-shirt in his parish Paris fashion show. Let's take a look at Kanye trying to explain why he wore the T-shirt. John, play the video. So the answer to why I wrote White Lives Matter on a shirt is because they do. Okay. So Kanye West says that he wore the shirt because he believes that white lives do in fact matter. And let me just say, just to be clear, I absolutely agree with him. I absolutely agree with him that white lives matter. Absolutely no qualification, no equivocation, no room for doubt. It is absolutely the case that white people's lives matter. Of course their lives matter. But never in the history of America has it ever been the case that anybody questioned the mattering of white lives. American history isn't full of moments where we question, do white people matter? Are white people important? No. (laughs) In fact, no decent loving person would ever say that white people's lives don't matter. How could you justify that sentence and be a Christian or a person of faith or a person of decency, morality or ethics? Of course. But once again, the problem in America isn't that white people's lives don't matter. The problem in America is that white people's lives have been the only lives that have mattered. That's the problem in America is that white people's lives have mattered more than any and everybody else. Kanye, <laughs> listen, son, because <laughs> I'm older than you. Listen, son, of course white people's lives matter, boy. So, so, so listen, the problem with Kanye wearing a T-shirt isn't that white people's lives don't matter, but rather that the lives of white people have only seemed to matter. And if they only seem to matter, then they matter more than everybody else's. That's why you have a Black Lives Matter movement. Not to say that white people's lives don't matter, but to say that white people's lives are not the only lives that matter. Kanye. (sighs) Let me put it this way, then I'm done. You don't need a T-shirt or a movement to convince people that white people's lives matter because the importance of white lives have been reaffirmed and emphasized throughout American history. In America, defending white lives is like defending drinking the benefits of drinking water. In America, defending white lives is like defending the benefits of washing your behind. <laughs> In America, defending white lives is like defending the benefits of wearing deodorant. These things are obvious. <laughs> you need to drink water, you need to wash your butt, and you need to wear deodorant. And in America, of course, white people's lives matter. But they're not the only lives that matter. And having a black person who feels he needs to defend the importance of white life when his own people are constantly under attack is very suspicious to me. And it makes 
our dear brother Kanye, in fact, looked like an Uncle Tom and not a genius. Okay. We'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back with Craig Mathis Jr. to talk about his amazing journey, his dad, and his future. Okay? Don't go nowhere. I know y'all need to recover. Let's all recover after that, right after this. Bam! Welcome back, everybody. I did that whole thing on uh, Tom Brady and Giselle, and it actually has great um, uh, connection to what we're going to do tonight because, you know, everybody has a journey. I'm just trying to, I, I really want people to embrace the notion that everybody is either managing something, running from something, loving something, being broken. We, everybody's human. Everybody's human. And my guest tonight is definitely human, <laughs> but he's also the son of a very famous man. And, um, and that comes with his blessings and it comes with his challenges. I want you to listen. I want you to hear and I want you to feel tonight so that you will not just fall in love with Greg Mathis Jr., but you'll also fall in love with your life. But welcome to the show tonight, Greg Mathis Jr. Hey, Greg. Hey, thanks for having me, doctor. For a sec, I thought you were about to announce a breakup I didn't know about. I was about to say, uh-oh, let me check and make sure everything's good at home. <laughs> no, 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 no. That is funny. <laughs> but no, I, I don't have any information as it relates to that. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, you, you, we talked over the, um, before the show started, and you have mm -hmm. such, a, such a charming and great personality. And, and so I, I love the opportunity to talk to people who I experience as being good people. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So my dear brother, your dad uh, is, is the Emmy award-winning uh, court show host, uh, Judge Greg Mathis. And while I'm sure that that's been an absolute blessing in your life. Um, in many ways, absolutely. I'm sure. But, but, but let, let's deal with the difficult side of it. And, and let, let's start with this question. What's been some of the challenges of having uh, a famous father? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. It's a blessing and a curse. Because I know the one thing that I have struggled with and my siblings as well, um, you know, my dad has accomplished so much and made such a name for himself and everything that he's done for us as a family, but also for himself. It can be difficult at times to chart our own path and have a name for ourselves that doesn't stand in the shadow of his accomplishments. Um, and this is something I've struggled with my entire life because he was a local judge before he was a nationally televised judge. And so it's that question of how do I um, chart my own course without, you know, folks getting to know me and not me as Judge Mathis's son, but me for my accomplishments and the things that I've done in life is always been something I've really struggled with and made it a blessing and a curse to be the son of Judge Mathis. Yeah, listen, first of all, thank you for that because it really, it sets the tone for everything that I want to do tonight. And I, I guess I'm interested in knowing when people find out who your dad is, do they treat you differently? Oh, absolutely. It's so funny because, um, you know, it happens so many different ways, but I'll talk about a few of the ways I've noticed it happen. Um, I usually don't tell people who my dad is right off the bat. I try and introduce myself as me. You know, I'll introduce myself a lot of times to people as Greg, because that's who I am. Hey, I'm Greg, nice to meet you. Um, and it's happened a lot of times where I'll know somebody for a month or two, or maybe even longer at certain points in my life. 
And eventually they'll find out that my dad is Judge Mathis and it becomes, a lot of my friends have this story to tell, like, why didn't you tell me who your dad was? And I'm just like, I didn't know that, you know, to me, that's not something that you need to lead with, that I should lead with, because I want you to get to know me for me. And it are, and you know, it is a different type of treatment. I've noticed that when I'm having conversations with people who just know it's me, they want to know, oh, what do you do? Where are you from? Like, what, you know, tell me about your accomplishments. Tell me about you as a person. Mm-hmm. But when it is, you know, ju- you know, Greg Mathis Jr. as the son of Judge Mathis, it immediately becomes, oh, what's your family like? Oh, what's your dad like? <laughs> tell me about your dad. It's almost like, you know, they their their faces glaze over and they want to know about you know, the celebrity and not necessarily the person they're talking to right in front of them. Yeah, because it almost seemed, and correct me if I'm wrong, affirm me though if I'm right, but it almost seems as if when people find out who your dad is, they see you as a opportunity, a connection, a come up, um, access. Is that, is that, is that right? At times it is, definitely at times. I've had people ask me for the craziest stuff that I don't even know. And I'm just like, what would make you think that's even an acceptable thing to ask me? So it's some people that come in with that blatant kind of uh, opportunistic personality or opportunistic, you know, want to figure out what they can get out of me or what they can get out of my dad. But also just the simple, um, you know, not necessarily wanting anything, um, I guess you could say tangible, but just wanting kind of a peek into the life of a celebrity family is what it becomes about, as opposed to just wanting to know me as a person. Yeah. And, that can, and that can be almost just as difficult as somebody who's wanting to come in and just get something out of us because of who my dad is or because of who we might be as a family, but also dealing with that issue of just somebody that just wants to, you know, I'll call it what it is, gossip, you know? Say, I talked to Judge Matheson and here's what he told me. Exactly. It, it, it's so interesting you say that. I, I, I pastored in Chicago for a number of years. And mm-hmm. um, uh, Michael Jordan's daughter, was. she came by the church all the time. She frequented the church all because one of her friends was a member. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and one time uh, she was sick. And, and so I went to visit in the hospital. And... Um, I never, but but point is, I never treated her as if her father was Michael Jordan. I, ne- I, I, I never. Tell you, I can tell you, she appreciated that as the son of Judge Mathis. I can tell you that because it means a lot when I can tell people, you know, that's not a priority for other people when they meet me. Yeah. So 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 let me ask you this: mm-hmm. is 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 it is it the case that being the the son of someone who's particularly famous does does that make it difficult for you to sort of trust people because you don't know what their intentions are? Oh, I mean, absolutely. And I, and like I said, I mean, a lot of times I try and lead with who I am because I want you to get to know me. Um, it does give me pause to like lead with, oh, I'm Greg Mathis Jr. because immediately you don't know what people's intentions will be. It just opens mm-hmm. up a whole Pandora's box. And like I said, it can definitely be a blessing, but it can be a curse as well. Um, a lot of people would think that I had it easy because of who my dad is. And there are perks. I mean, he's provided for us as a family and I'm forever grateful for that. I mean, I thank God every day for the opportunity that we've been given. But you also want to live life, you know, as an individual and for yourself. And a lot of times, I mean, I I talked to, um, you know, I, I've told this story a couple of times. Like when I started in my career, I have accomplishments of my own that people don't even get to learn about because they kind of stop wanting to know about me and want to know about my dad when they find out who he is. How did that you make know? you how, how did that make you feel, though? Let's 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 make this touch the ground. Because because that has to hurt. I mean, it has to it has to be frustrating. I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. How does it make you no, feel? I would say it takes away, 
your self-worth. It makes it feel like everything that you've worked to accomplish doesn't matter because mm. it's not of interest to somebody who's, you know, there's this shiny object that that's always going to be more interesting. You know, I, I've worked, uh, you know, I worked a decade in politics at the highest level of politics in Washington, D.C., but there are people who literally will never find out about that, don't care to find out about it. And maybe when they do find out about it, they're like, oh, you've done all this. And I'm like, well, yeah, what'd you think? I was just, you know, sitting around doing nothing because I have a famous father. Like, no, I've led a life of my own. And I mean, I'll tell you the funny part about me working in politics even is um, I used to, um, you know, I would intentionally, when I applied for jobs, I wouldn't even tell my dad about it because um, my dad started in politics. He has a lot of relationships, a lot of connections, but it was important to me yeah. to want to be able to, do things on my own and chart my own course and not just use his name to a benefit, you know, even though it is there for use. And I, when I applied to, um, for example, when I applied to work on a President Obama's reelection campaign, I didn't tell anybody who my father was, you know, I put my resume in, I didn't tell my dad, I even applied for the job. I know he could have made a phone call or two and made it a little easier for me, never told him anything about it. And it was so funny because when I got the job, I mean, he was, um, I told him about it. He was upset that I hadn't told him I was applying for it. He was like, you know, I could have helped you out. You know, I could have done this. And I said, well, you know, dad, I, I, um, I didn't necessarily want that from you. I didn't want you to feel like you have to make calls and kind of give me a leg up on anybody else. I want things on my own merit. And, you know, he still had his strong opinion, which his opinion was, um, which I respect. It's, that he did not work this hard. You know, my dad grew up in a, you know, raised by a single mother, four brothers, in and out of jail as a youth, grew up in the projects. And so he has worked so hard. And he's a son, I didn't work this hard to overcome all the obstacles I faced in life to have my kids have to work just as hard. You know, I want you all, you all should feel like you have the right to benefit from the hard work that I put in because you are my kids. You are, you know, we are a family. So don't, you know, his message to us has always been don't deny your birthright in a sense. Mm. Uh, and that's been a struggle because like, like I said, you want, I particularly want that, um, that feeling of accomplishment and doing things on your own merit. Yeah, no, I, I, I can, <clears throat> I'm not, the, I'm not the child of someone famous or, or particularly, you know, socially or culturally important. So I, I can, yeah. I can, I can only imagine, you know, I asked you how it felt. Um, and, and, and I let you get away with not giving me a feeling, by the way, which, 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 which I won't do on the other side of this break. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> because... What did I say? I said it felt, uh, it made me feel like I lacked worth. Mm, mm, mm. Is that, that's not a feeling though. That's not a it? feeling though. But, but, okay. but, but, but it's close. So here it is. Did it make you angry? Frustrated? Did it, did it make you, did it make you feel, um, uh, invisible? Somewhere between frustrated and invisible. Yeah, yeah. Frustrated and invisible. And has that has that been? And of course, this this is no fault, obviously, to your dad because he can't help oh, being he can't not. help being who he is, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we and we gl we're glad that he is who he is. But 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 ha ha right. But has that feeling been something that's been consistent as as you as you become an adult, or was it more so when you were a kid? More so when I was younger. When I was a kid, it was because, and, you know, folks don't know this about us either, but even before my dad was a television judge, he was a, um, 
a local judge and he was, uh, you know, very well respected in Detroit politics where we grew up. So our entire lives, even before my dad was on television, he was famous in our community. I yeah. compare, our upbringing, you know, I kind of compare our upbringing to almost like a preacher's kid would grow up. Yeah, if you're yeah. Greg, 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 hold, hold, hold that thought. I'm sorry to cut you off because I, I got to take this break. Let's let's take this break. And um, when we come back, um, I want to I want to talk. I want you to finish this part of what you're saying. And, and then I want to ask you this. Um, what do most um, children of famous people have to deal with that most kids don't have to go through? OK, okay. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do all that when we come back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Greg Mathis, Jr. So, Greg, um, before we took our break, you were you're really cluing us into the fact that um, your dad was well known and had prestige even before he was on television. You mentioned the fact that he, you almost grew up like you were the son of a preacher. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Say, say a little more we about were that. The, uh, we were known as the judges' kids even before he was on TV because he was a local judge, and so we would go to, you know, middle school, elementary school as the judges' kids even before TV. Mm. So, so I, I promised to ask you this before we took the break. So I want to ask it now. Um, what are some of the things that the children of famous people have to go through that most kids will never have to deal with? I think it's two things and um, that jump out at me first. The first thing that is definitely a common theme I hear from everybody is when people find out who my dad is, when they meet our family, it's that we somehow have it easy or good or that our life is this perfect fairy tale. Um, that we don't face the same obstacles that everybody else faces. And right. it's just not true. I mean, you talked about this in the opening segment of your show that oftentimes with more money comes more prop or, you know, just money doesn't eliminate problems. Let's yeah. put it that way. I'm not going to say it creates more problems, but, you know, we deal with the same things that everybody else deals with. And I think that's the first notion that um, oftentimes uh, a lot of famous kids deal with is just this idea that, we have it so easy and we should be able to do, you know, all these amazing things and just have it all together more so than the rest of the population. And I think that's an unfair expectation because there's all types of battles that people face, you know, even in our family, for example, my sister, um, she's a mental health advocate and that's because she has a mental health diagnosis. That's because she was diagnosed with a learning disorder. And, you know, if you see her, you would never know. You would never know that she's fighting those types of battles and what she's had to go through to become who she is today. You know, she did. She she doesn't have just an e this easy path to the success that she's really created for herself. So that's a big one right there. And then um, I think that the second thing is kind of the the first thing I first talked about is really trying to break out from under the shadow of your famous parent. Yeah. To have to see your accomplishments for your accomplishments, yeah. what you and who you are. Um, there has been so many times, even when I was growing up where people would ask, oh, you're going to be a judge, you're going to be this. And it's like, well, no, I have my own dreams, I have my own ambitions. It may not track directly with what my dad's or what my, you know, my famous parents' dreams and ambitions are going to be. And it doesn't have to necessarily track. And so I would say those are the two things that jump out at me first. Yeah. You know, I, I, would, I, would, I would almost think that a third answer might be, and again, you have a very different experience than the one, than the one that, that mm -hmm. I've lived. But, but I would also think that a third answer would be that your family succeeds or fails in public. You know, yes. I mean, anything that happens, 
it's on the blogs, it's on social media, right? Because you know, yeah. where, 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 whereas most people get to fail and mess up or be silly or be stupid or whatever it is in private, nobody ever knows. Like, like you know, <laughs> when I was growing up and I did something stupid, nobody cared, <laughs> you know. But but if you end up doing something, it's going to be everywhere. And and you know, that's always been funny to me because people would always ask, you know, people, even my friends, because they know I, you know, I. I've been around a lot of celebrities because of my dad's work and because of our family and just, you know, different things of that nature. And they always ask me, why are these celebrities so crazy? Why are they doing A, B, C, and D? And I have to take a step back and I'm like, just because their issues are being put up for public display, I have to ask them, I say, look at, look at your family and look at our friend group and look at the people who we know in our day-to-day life. Do you not see the crazy things that go on in our life? <laughs> right. I see the only difference. <laughs> right. You know, it's not on the blogs for everybody to dissect and have an opinion on. I mean, the internet can be brutal, Twitter in particular. I go on Twitter sometimes, I just got to close it down because it's like everybody just wants to pick at the most. Um, nobody wants to be positive. Everybody wants yeah. to find what they can pick at and what they can um, kind of criticize without taking that step back to think, am I perfect? How would I handle the situation in my life? Maybe I should give this person grace. Maybe I should, you know, think about where they're coming from. It's never that, and you know, celebrity does that to people. I think people view celebrities or people in the public eye as not real people sometimes. Yeah, listen, Greg, I, that's, that's, why on, <laughs> that's why on this show, I don't put my mouth on people. I don't talk about people. I don't down people because mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, I'm, I'm just a couple of just dumb decisions away <laughs> from, from doing the same thing. Right. I mean, we all are. We I, all are. But, but let, let, let me let me let, let me change gears a little bit and ask you this, because this, this, this question is more introspective. Have, have you always been comfortable growing up with privilege? Hmm. You know, I will say this, it's been a battle because they're definitely, like I said, and this really does get to the heart of that blessing and a curse. Because I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you and tell you there are times I was happy that, you know, I was happy my first car was a BMW. You know, that's a privilege that I was like, oh, heck yes, I'm going to sit here and ride this BMW all over town. But then there were times where I would have to tell my friends, like, please don't tell anybody who my dad is. Like, I don't want to be treated differently. I don't want to have anybody looking at me like, you know, trying to be my friend just because of that or treating me nicer than anybody else. So it was a little push and pull, but definitely I enjoyed the perks of it. So does that answer the question? A no, bit? I, I, absolutely. Um, because because I, I, as a black person in America, right, um, you are a part of a certain percentage of us your family's a part of a certain percentage of us. That's very rare, right? To 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 grow up with a certain privilege, with a certain access. Mm-hmm. Um, and I celebrate that. I know that some people think privilege is a horrible thing. I'm not one of those people. I celebrate the fact that finally there's a there's a generation of black folks who can hand their children privilege after yeah. you know after 350 years of and, not, not. And what you're saying is exactly why my dad always tells us because he knows us well enough. He he knows us too well sometimes. I hate it. Like he knows what we thinking before we think it. And he always tells us because he can tell we have some uncomfortableness with being 
you know, the privileged family at times. And he'll say, don't deny your privilege. You know, we work too hard. He's worked too hard. But what you should do is never forget where you came from and never forget your community. Use your privilege to give back to others. Use your privilege to make the world a better place. And that has been one thing that I really take to heart because it does, at the end of the day, put it in perspective for me that it's not just about the privilege. It's about the ability to help other people. And that's something that's super important to our family. And I think that also reflects our upbringing, quite frankly, too, because we weren't always this privileged family. I mean, yeah, when yeah. I was younger, I actually, you know, I went to Detroit public schools. My dad, my mom was a teacher. My dad was an up and coming political staffer. So, you know, they're making middle class, lower middle class, potentially salaries. And so it's not like we were always this privileged family. It kind of grew over time when he first got elected to judge. That was a, you know, a nicer lifestyle. And then being a, a judge on national TV is a whole different stratosphere. So we saw the difference of going from a Detroit public school where you don't have the resources, you don't have the same things. And then you're going out to suburban and private schools where kids are pulling up in BMWs and Mercedes Benz trucks. And so yeah. I think having that perspective for our entire family really drives home that point of don't forget where you came from and don't forget we got a lot more people to help that don't have the same privilege that we do. Yeah, no, I I, I value that. I honor that. Listen, I I, I want to keep, can, can you can you stick around a little longer? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, stick around a little longer. I got some more questions for you that I want to ask you after the break. Uh, I'm not done with, I'm not done with Greg, people. <laughs> We're not letting him go. We're holding him hostage. <laughs> we'll be right back right after that. Um, what, what, what's the best advice your dad has ever given you? Mm. Um, oh, always walk with confidence. You got to have confidence. Like, you know, self-doubt just kills dreams. So like, I know it sounds cliche, but his biggest thing for all of us is that we got to have confidence that we can make things happen and nobody else will in us. And that's always stuck with me. Okay, so, so I'm going to ask you the same question in reverse. What's the best advice you've ever given him? You got to listen to people sometimes. <laughs> if you can't tell, we come from a family of talkers. So it's usually me just telling him to listen. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, we've talked a lot about him, but, but I, I don't want, I, let's, let's set him aside for a second. And, and in, in, in what ways are you carving your own path, defining that name with your own nuances? I mean, one of the biggest accomplishments of my life is my political career. I um, I wanted to work in politics since I was probably, um, I think it happened around the time I told you how I changed school districts and saw the difference between the inner city schools I went to and the suburban schools I went to. And obviously my dad's background was in politics. And so I knew I always wanted to be in that field. And when I went to DC, I really did make a mark. I mean, I was one of the youngest, um, black political staffers in the United States Senate. And when I first started, actually, one of three senior policy advisors to hold that position. And so, um, you know, I was able to do a lot of great work and be in the rooms where important decisions were made with a lot of people that don't look like us. And so that was very important to me. And even after, you know, transitioning out of politics, um, it's still very important to me to carry on that legacy and use my privilege and use the, the relationships I built over that decade long career to continue the impact change. And that's why 
Um, we obviously have our reality TV show, Mathis Family Matters now, and I've been doing things more in entertainment than politics, but using that privilege to really help people and give back. Um, I do a lot of advocacy and I use the connections I made in politics to really make a lot of good things, you know, to impact change. And that's been the way that I want to chart my own path that's, you know, similar but different than my dad's. And, um, you know, I don't want to, it's always uncomfortable <laughs> to brag on yourself, but I think I have a pretty uh, accomplished career and track record. No, listen, first of all, people love you on that show. Mathis Family Matters. People love you on that show. I mean, you are you are one of the breakout, you know, personalities uh, on on the show. So I, I think that, you, so, I'm, let me ask you this. So, so what does success look like for you? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, success for me, is first of all, being happy. Like you gotta be happy with what you're doing. Uh, you know, so I always told myself that first I wanna be happy, but second, I really wanna help people. It's not money, it's not, you know, having this crazy amount of money, but it's being in a position to really be happy and help other people. Hmm. You know, and I think with what we're doing with Mathis Family Matters, we're really, um, you know, if you watch our show, it's a positive show, it's a fun show. It's a show that makes people laugh and, hopefully inspires people by showing them a little something different and a family that can love on each other and have fun, but also talk about serious stuff at the same time. Yeah. I believe we need more of that. First of all, we need, we need more shows where people aren't throwing drinks at each other and, right. <laughs> you, know, you know, just, just being crazy. And, 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 and quite frankly, in my opinion, showing the, some of the lesser lower, you know, yeah. uh, ugh, grimy traits of what it means to be who we are. Now, there's a place for that, right? But there's also... I was going to say, I get it. It's, it's sales and, you know, it's a lot of people's guilty pleasures, but we got to... We are more than that. Yeah. Oh, listen, I, 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 I'm that part right there. We, we, we are more than that. Um, I, I got to let you go in a second, but, but, but I want to ask you one more thing. Um, because... Out of all the things that you might be able to do with the rest of your life, what's the one thing you feel you have to do? Hmm. I mean, this is going to sound broad, but I would say keep going. Because for me, it has always been about building on who I am today and who I was yesterday. So the one thing that I want to do in my life is to keep building. I mean, I feel like every year in my life, it's, you know, I've, I set out goals like everyone else. And so it's looking at what did I accomplish last year that falls in line with what my priorities and morals are, which is really to help other people and, you know, kind of be happy with my own life. Yeah. And it's really, okay, how did I kind of check those broad categories? The are, year are you, are you, are you happy with your life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it took me a long time to get there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, um, you know, I'm a gay man and this was the first year that I actually was out to the, of the closet publicly. And that was a huge accomplishment for me. And I did not realize, I mean, whew, we could talk for hours about this, but I didn't realize how um, much that was causing me to shrink myself before, you know, even when I was in my career in politics, my coworkers had no idea about my personal life. I was, you know, staying in the background as much as possible because I didn't want people prying too much into what I was doing when I wasn't at work or when I wasn't with them. And just having that freedom to really um, be who I am in so many different aspects has been like a weight that's lifted off of me and really allowed me to stretch my wings even further than I ever have in the past is the way it feels. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you said that, 
I know I know I gotta take a break. Y'all relax. But you know, when you said when you when you said that, your whole face changed. Your whole yeah. your whole presentation of your spirit changed. Um, so I can tell that that means, so what, so what, so when you talk about that, what happens to you when you talk about that? Cause you, your face I mean, you, I get, it really was a night and day experience of like knowing that I was pretending to be somebody hiding who I was and, um, going back to thinking about how that made me feel. And it was not a good feeling. Um, you know, it was a very lonely, sad feeling at times. And it's just hard to be someone that you're not and have to lie to people that you love and care about. Um, into now where I feel like I'm finally for the first time in a long in my and maybe my entire life being who I really am and not feeling like I have to put on airs or kind of mask for anybody in the world. But more importantly, and back to the point of helping other people, being in a position to share my story with other people and hopefully impact them in a positive way who, who are going through something similar. Listen, I like you, man. <laughs> I like you too. Though. I like I like your spirit. I like your energy. Um, I like your boldness. I like your coming to terms with your with with yourself, um, and and not even with respect to sexuality, just just with respect to the legacy and and the shadow um, of the tree that you were born under. I, I I like your your presentation of that journey, and let me say something to you, just just from me to you, um, that I wish you more love than you can handle. I wish you more opportunity than you can stand. I wish you more success than you can even fathom. I want you to wake up one day and sit on the edge of your bed and say to yourself, how in the world did this happen? I want, I, I want it to be the case that when you get to the middle, of, the middle of your life, that you will sit back and say, yeah, my dad was great, but this <laughs> is something far more special to me. Um, I'm yeah, I, I, I pray that for you. I believe it for you. And, uh, and I am knowing and trusting that if you just keep being who you are in the ways that you are, you are going to get there. Thank you. Listen, man, come back and see me. Okay. That's what I told him. I said, I'll come back next week. <laughs> okay. He'll be back next week. <laughs> Listen, Greg, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. This is, meant a lot to me. I, I, you know, I don't say that lightly. I feel better after talking to you and I really do hope to, you know, talk offline and keep in touch with you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hit you on social media. We're going to stay in touch. Thank you. All right. Listen, everybody, we're going to do some ask doctors. Now when we come back, I'm going to do aha moment from this because I learned something and I might sneak in one ask Dr. Sean. We'll be right back. Welcome back everybody. So let's have an aha moment. Play the bumper highly. I, um, I, I learned some things from this conversation. One of the things that I've learned uh, from talking to, to Greg Mathis Jr. is that each of us are just trying to find our own place, that we're all trying to find out where we belong and how we can stand and how we can get enough sunshine and enough water to make ourselves grow. And just because you're the child of somebody famous doesn't mean that you get to avoid the journey that comes along with that. Finding your place, your journey, your vision, your purpose, your identity, who you are, what you love. You don't get to avoid it. Money, money cannot protect you from the experience of coming to terms with yourself. Fame can't help you deny it. Nothing can. Every human being has to reconcile him or herself to him or herself. That's just how it is. That's how it's just what it means to be human. And Greg is gloriously human. He's coming to terms with the best of who he is. 
And everything I said to him at the end of that conversation is everything that I meant. I wish him the best, but not just him. I wish the same for you. I hope that you come into greater levels of what you were born to be, no matter who gave birth to you. All right, Hiley, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean, man. <laughs> so you guys always send me amazing videos. Let's take a look at this one. Hi, Dr. Sean. My name is Tiani, and I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. I struggle to be honest and communicate with my friends whenever something happens. I find it easier to ghost them and never speak again. I know it's a problem, but I'm unsure how to stop it. Can you give me some advice on how to communicate more effectively? Yes. First, thank you for the thank you for the question, and thank you for being honest about um, what you're doing, and also clear about the fact that it's deeply problematic. Um, the beginning of all change happens to be rooted in the experience and the fact of one coming to terms with the truth that what you're doing isn't working for you. We never change things that we believe on some level might be or is working. We only come to terms with radical transformation, radical self-adjustment and change when we realize this isn't working for me. And when you embrace that and when you honestly know it to be the case, that's the beginning of change. Because the moment you can, you can accept the fact that if I keep doing this, I'm going to get things that I don't want. When you come to terms with that is when you start looking in new directions to find new possibilities and new plausible ways of responding. You see, just ghosting someone and walking away from people is extremely childish. It is extremely immature. And what it will do is that it will prevent you from ever having a long-term relationship with someone on any level, friend, romantic, whatever it is, family even. Because people are always going to get on your nerves. They're always going to disappoint you. They're always going to hurt your feelings. Nobody gets out of life without having somebody else get on, their, get on your nerves. <laughs> In fact, I think some people were born to get on, get on my nerves. But you don't ghost them. You learn what it is to deal with the good parts of people and to leave the bad parts of who they are alone. You see, learning how to have longevity in friendships and longevity in, in connections is important because if you bail out on everybody in your life, who's to say that when the rubber meets the road and you come between a rock and a hard place that you won't bail out on yourself as well? You see, if we make things patterns and habits that we apply to other people, they become the patterns and the habits that we also secretly apply to ourselves. So I bet it's also the case that you're not just bailing out on other people. You're also probably bailing out on you, too. And I don't want that for you. So what I would say is, once again, come to terms with the truth that ghosting people and running from people, it ain't working for you. It ain't keeping you where you need to be. I'm glad all of you watched tonight. Thank you for being a part of this amazing conversation with Greg Mathis Jr. Um, what a great soul, right? What a wonderfully honest and articulate and bright and strong young man. What I want for him is what I want for you. Continue to be the best version of you, okay? Shine, even if the darkness doesn't like it. Y'all be good to each other, okay? Y'all be kind to each other because kindness is the thing that's going to get us over, all right? And if you forget anything else, just remember this. I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I'll see you next time. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. 
Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. And now shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.